0: To the example of Father Capon, we are given a model of how to be hope to a hopeless world, to be light to a dark world, to be so filled with joy that people desire to be around us. There's an urgency in the world right now. I want to enter the mission territory. In fact, the Lord has called all of us into this battle for souls. He's not given anybody a pass on that. Welcome to the Foxhole.
1: Good morning, everyone. This is Jason Searle, and on behalf of Capen's men, we thank you for joining us in the Foxhole. Our men's faith formation groups follow the example of Servant of God, Father Emil Capon, a priest from Kansas who lived the gospel in his simple daily life, all the way through his heroic actions on the battlefields and in the prisoner of war camp in Korea, where he eventually died at the hands of his captors. Although Father Capon was ordered to safety during the Battle of Insad, his response to accompany his men during the battle that ensued and their subsequent capture resulted in Father Capon becoming the most highly decorated chaplain in the United States Army history. His faithful service to our Lord was an example we would all like to emulate. This week we're honored to have Dr. Jim Odison, who serves as the John T. Ryan, Jr. Professor of Business Ethics in the Mendoza College of Business at the University of Notre Dame. His academic path took him from Notre Dame to the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, then to the University of Chicago for his Ph.D. Afterwards, his teaching career has taken him from the University of Alabama, Yeshiva University, Wake Forest University, and now he and his wife Katie, who are the proud parents of four, are back at Notre Dame, where incidentally my son Thomas, a sophomore in his class on business ethics, told me some of the concepts that he was learning. After a discussion with my son, I knew I had to connect with Dr. Odison, as his concepts of honorable business had me intrigued how he presented it and how some of my everyday language around business has implications I didn't fully realize. After a brief correspondence, Dr. Odison graciously agreed to join us in the foxhole to talk about these concepts. Before I turn it over to Joe, I want to remind everyone that you can find all our faith formation resources at caponsmen.com And as for this podcast, the weekly lessons continue to grow. So thank you for your continued efforts to share this message of Father Capon as he continues to inspire us today. Joe Ferris is going to lead us with a prayer. And with this, it's an honor to introduce and welcome Jim and Joe. Good morning, brothers, and thanks for joining us in the foxhole.
0: Good morning, Jason, and thank you for that beautiful introduction. Good morning, friends. who have taken a few minutes to, to join us in the foxhole i really been thinking this week a lot about a quote I read years ago from Steve Jobs. And Steve Jobs said, my favorite things in life don't cost any money. It's really clear that the most precious resource we have is our time. And I've said quite a few times as as we start the podcast that time is one of the most valuable resources you have, and we appreciate you putting aside some time to be with us. You know, yesterday I was in a conversation with a friend who said you can divide your life kind of into three thirds. One third you're asleep, one third you're at work, and then the, the other third we're doing lots of other things. And most of our time and energy and resources resources are only spent on one third. And today you're going to be treated because we're going to spend some time on the third that you spend at work. How to do it honorably? You know, how, how to, to take on the idea that that rising tides they raise all boats. So before we pray today, um, I just want to make sure you have a pen and paper, maybe a cup of coffee and you're comfortable because you're going to have a lot of solid, good information that's going to become applicable immediately today as you get ready for work and as you spend um, a big chunk of your life um, at work. And we're going to kind of w- talk about a new way to look at work and an honorable way to approach it. So take just a second in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit and just Be kind of quiet with the Lord for a second. Just be still with God. In the crazy chaos of the world, especially this time um, as elections and pandemics run crazy, just be still with God for just a moment. Come Holy Spirit. And just as you're in that stillness and in that quiet, just ask our Lord to open your heart to a new way to see Not only your family and yourself, but even your work. Ask God to bless the work that you're going to do today. That's your business. That your actions are just. And that you can help build the kingdom. And that flows from the way we treat each other and the way we do the work that God has called each of us to do. And in the quiet of your heart, I'll just lead, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Notre Dame, our Mother, pray for us. Jim, I know you're out there, and and I think there's a big question. It's probably going to be the toughest question you're going to get today, based on the introduction we just heard Jason uh, give about your life and your biography, Um, but it's a normal Saturday alabama's playing wake forest is playing and notre dame is playing just for our audience right out of the box like who is who are you and your family cheering for on that day
2: uh that would be notre dame um it's hard to get it's hard to get away from the love of your own alma mater but uh, but i will say i come by that a little bit honestly because uh, i'm a i'm a first generation college student Uh, and i went to notre dame as an undergraduate and I met my, uh, my wife here also at Notre Dame, but she is a third-generation Notre Dame graduate. Her father and grandfather both went here. She's the first woman in her family to go, but um, third-generation Notre Dame graduate. So I think she had our kids singing the alma mater before they even could say Mama and Dada.
0: Well, I, I think that's fair. And as a Catholic, you know we support <laughs> Notre Dame. You can't, it's one of the things we can do is cheer for Notre Dame as Catholics. So I, I, I want to jump right in. I want to jump into you being a philosopher and kind of teaching in this field of business. Um, what what Jim attracted you to that kind of that that way of thought, that way of thinking, um, and maybe even some of the concepts that you've pulled out um, as far as giving back and some of those things.
2: Yeah, it's a great question. So it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for having me. Um, It really, my interest in uh, business and philosophy really came out of um, kind of a curious experience I had. So, you know, I tended to think when I was an undergraduate at Notre Dame, when I was in graduate school studying for my PhD, you know, I think of moral philosophy as really being the explanation of a kind of totality of human life that, um if if you're a virtuous person if you're a moral person then that should shine forth in everything you do not just um only in you know in times of stress or in um when you have when you face a difficult decision but really everything you do in the negative and the positive and a lot of uh, moral philosophy as it's discussed in uh, higher education and on college campuses, it's sort of compartmentalized. So people talk about, you know, ethics in um, in business, or they talk about ethics in healthcare, or they talk about ethics in, you know, these different areas of life. And I was, I found that curious that we didn't have a single. I thought there should be a single conception of ethics that would apply to all of those places. And when I first started teaching in a business school, one of the things that I found very curious was that a lot of business students are kind of defensive about studying business. It's almost as if they're embarrassed to be studying business. And this, I thought, was a very strange thing because, you know, if you're studying something, if you're thinking about dedicating your life to it, um, then this really ought to be something that you're not afraid of letting people know, you're not feeling defensive or guilty about. It really ought to be something you can be proud of. Um, and as I talked with business students about this, um, what what occurred to me was that there is this phrase, and you just used it. Now, uh, people often talk about uh, giving back. Um, they talk about business people uh, giving back to society. If you've been successful in business, you should give back to society. But um, think about this analogy. You know, think about on the one hand, medical doctors or medical professionals, and business people. So both medicine and business, they're both professions. Um, they both have specialties and subspecialties. In both cases, you have to learn a lot of technical knowledge and get a lot of experience in order to be successful. And in both cases, if you are successful, you might uh, make a handsome living for yourself. Um, but think about how differently those two um, professions are viewed by the wider culture. Nobody says to the business, uh, so, nobody says to the medical professional, uh, well, you need to give back to society, uh, but they do say that to the business professional. And I wondered about that because, you know, think about if your mother, when you were a kid, if your mother said to you, hey, you need to give that back. Well, what does that mean you did? It means you took something you stole something that didn't belong to you. Um, is that what pe- people think about business? And, I, you know, my thought is that, yeah, that is what a lot of people think. If you've been successful as a business person, a lot of people think, well, maybe we don't know exactly what you did wrong, but we're pretty sure you must have done something wrong. And so what really got me interested in the connection of business and philosophy was trying to develop an idea of honorable business. So business that doesn't require you to atone for it like it's a sin, but that really creates value in itself, in what it actually does. Um, And I think there is such a thing as honorable business, and I think that's the sort of thing that business students and business people should internalize when they're thinking about what it is they're called to do when they're acting as business professionals.
0: Jim, I have a son who has a master's in business and I, you're, you're speaking my love language just in the way that you're talking about business and and honorable business in particular. One of the things, I watched your TED talk and anyone listening right now should go Google this TED, Google Google Jim's name and look at that TED talk. It's fantastic. But there's, there's a concept that I was trying to talk to my son about recently that you talked about and it's cooperation versus extraction. Right. I'd love for you just to break that open because I think it's super important for anybody listening to, to understand honorable business through that lens.
2: Yeah, I think that's a very important uh, distinction. So um, here's an easy way to think about it. Um, suppose you have something that I would like to have. Um, it could be anything. It could be... Uh, your laptop. I want to buy a laptop from you. It could be your labor. I want to hire you. It could be your love. Maybe I want to, you know, um, you and I want to be friends or I, I'm, I'm thinking about, we're thinking about maybe getting married. If you have anything that, um, that I want, there are really two ways I could get it from you. Uh, one way is I could just take it from you without your permission. So I could steal, so let's suppose we're talking about a laptop. I could steal your laptop from you. I could take it when you're not looking. Maybe I could defraud you out of it. I promise to pay you in the future, and then you give me the laptop, and then I don't pay you. Um, those, All of those ways of taking something without someone's permission, um, I call extraction. And what happens with extraction is I benefit myself, but at your expense. So if I take your laptop from you against your wishes, um, that's plus one laptop for me, but it's minus one laptop for you, and so if you add plus one plus minus one, that that equals zero. So that's called a zero-sum exchange. There's no increase in benefit, no increase in value. We're just moving things from one place to another. And in fact, that process is actually what has been the tried, and true, um, the tried and true method for human beings for most of their history. As soon as one person or one group got enough power over another one, they would just take all of their stuff um, extractively. They would extract it so they'd benefit themselves at the other person or the other group's expense. But there's another way I could get from you what I wanted, and that is I could make you an offer that you're free to accept or decline. And that's a totally different way of exchanging. So if I make you an offer, I say, I'll pay you a certain, this amount of money, I'm offering you this amount of money for your laptop. If you and I agree, well, then that means that I valued the laptop more than the money I offered you, and you valued the money more than the laptop. So if we voluntarily agree, that means that each of us benefited. So it's positive value for me and it's positive value for you. Positive value plus positive value is a positive sum exchange. And that's what cooperation is. And um, that's a relatively, believe it or not, a relatively new thing in human history. And the idea that you should seek another person's permission, that you should meet them as a peer and give them and respect um, their right to say no thank you if they want, rather than just taking from others, um, that's really based on a moral view about the inherent dignity of all human beings. And... What's great about that is that that cooperative working with one another w- with other people, the, the win-win, rather than me benefiting at your expense, we benefit together. that not only leads to increasing overall prosperity. The more of that you have, the more prosperity and value there is in the world, but it's also the moral way to treat other people. I think it's morally right. Um, you know, people are souls, they have human dignity. And um, respecting them as peers to you and respecting their opt-out option, um, that's the proper way to deal with other human beings. And so that difference between extraction and cooperation is not only a moral difference, but cooperation is what I think honorable business really is. So the honorable business person is someone who seeks to better to benefit himself or herself, but only at the same time by benefiting others. Um, and that, I think, really is the core of honorable business.
0: Let me ask you, Jim, I want to switch just for a second. Most of the business, in quotes, that I do is in evangelization. And I mentioned it to you when we talked earlier this week uh, that this is, I see a huge connection in evangelization about cooperation and extraction. Um, Have you done any thought or done a lot of thinking around the idea that I think there's some healthy and unhealthy ways we even evangelize or spread the gospel message?
2: Oh, yeah, no, I, um, I have done some, uh, some thinking about that. Now, I'm not a theologian, so, um, so forgive me if I you know, stray a little bit out of my lane, but I've done quite a bit of thinking about that. Um, you know, It reminds me of uh, one of the things that, uh, that Pope Francis says in Evangelii Gaudium, um, one of the lines in that, um, in that encyclical that really strikes me, it's, that's the joy of the gospel. He says, No one is saved by himself individually or by his own efforts. Um, one of the key insights of that, I think, or the, what I take away from that, is that um, salvation is really a cooperative effort. We all are saved or we all are lost together. Um, and when we're thinking about evangelization, I think about that solidarity aspect of it. Um, there is, you know, we are a community of human beings. We are all created in the image of God. Um, and so we're connected in a deep way with one another, in a in a mystical and spiritual way with one another. And so, if if we think that the way to save other people is by you know dropping the 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 God bombs on them um, and making them see the um, see the light and telling them here are the rules to follow and here are the words to say and you better um, toe the line. Um, that's more of an extractive way of looking at the world. That's not respecting them as a full and complete soul that has dignity equal to yours. I think the right way to think about evangelization, and you're more of an expert on this than I am, Joe, so you tell me if I'm wrong, but I think of the right way of this, of um, thinking about evangelization is saying, um, you know, you and I were given this gift of a very short and precious amount of time on this earth. God created us. There must be some reason why we're here, Let's work together to figure out what that is so that we can not only fulfill our own identities and fulfill our own souls, uh, but we can glorify God and bring about his uh, His will for us together.
0: And you are, Jim, you are preaching this morning. You may not be a theologian, but that may be the one thing that saves you, bro. Um, that is, that, that's solid. And I know we've all felt in, in the church world, too, when you're a victim of extraction it makes you feel bad, too, and it makes you short-lived oh,
2: absolutely. it time, does.
0: encounter with the other. So I want to switch to stewardship. Uh, we define at the Capins Men, we've done some video series around stewardship, and we, we define it as a grateful response of a Christian disciple who recognizes and receives God give, God's gifts and uses them in service of God and neighbor. How do these gifts of time, talent, and treasure, how do you see them, Jim, fitting into honorable business?
2: I think that's a great question. I'm really glad you asked me that because, you know, you started out by saying, you know, we divide our lives. Our lives are divided in basically three parts, one-third sleep, one-third work, and one-third basically everything else. Um, you know, one of the things that we that we don't do and at, as an academic, as a professor, one of the things I think um, we haven't done a good job with is talking about that third of the life, that third of their lives that people spend um, in their professional capacities. You know, um, if you think about um, a person's entire adult life, um, how much of their time is actually spent at the office or working in a professional capacity with others? It's a lot. And if we just sort of ignore that or we say, well, that, you know, there's one set of rules for that, but don't worry, you know, the real stuff, the important stuff happens somewhere else. No, no, no. That, that's actually an integral part of our lives, and I think we really need to think about it. Um, and so to go to your question about um, stewardship – if we're created in the image of God, and if God created each of us as souls, and if we have a limited time on this earth, all of that means two things. One, um, we only have um, a very short window of scarce time, talent, and treasure. And two, God put us here to use it. It's a gift. So, what that means is, I think in all the aspects of our lives, we need to be asking ourselves, well, what is the best use I can make of my time, talent, and treasure, not just for myself, but for the benefit of others in the glory of God? And when you think about that, you know, um, however much time, and this is something I like to say to my students, um, you know, there was a time when you came into this world, and there is a time, I'm sorry to say, when, um, when that will end. And however long that the duration is between those two points, you can't create any more of it, you can't manufacture any more of it, That means it is absolutely limited, and as um, you suggested earlier, Joe, that means that time is absolutely precious. It may be the most precious resource you have. And every day, every week, every month, every hour, every minute that you spend, one way is a minute gone forever that you can't spend doing something else. That raises the stakes very high. So if God put me here on this earth that means there's something that I need to be doing, and I need to figure out what that is, and I need to dedicate every moment of my existence to that, and that includes in business. And you know, business isn't for everybody. Some people go into the nonprofit world, some people go into you know, medicine, and very you know, there are a whole range of things people might go into. But if you're called to business, then that means that the calling from God to use your time, talent, and treasure must be implemented and integrated into your professional life as well. Um, you know the the prayer that or the, the saying that I really um, take to heart about this. Saint Benedict's um, his motto was "ora et labora," which is Latin. It means pray and work. So you don't do the glory of God only through praying. You don't, don't do it only when you're at mass or when you're in church service. You do it through your work, and every minute of everything you do is a reflection of your relationship to God, which means you better be pretty deliberate about it. Um, And stewardship is absolutely one of the most important things we all need to think about every moment of our existence.
0: Uh, Jim, I I rarely have time where I wish I was back in a classroom. But just hearing you (laughs) like, man, I've got to go to this guy's classroom. This would be so much fun. Uh, As a father of six... uh, whether I'm in business or not, I'm in a non-profit, okay, uh, because yeah. I, I spend a lot of my time working for six children. But I think <laughs> everyone on this call um, that has children, sons and daughters, um, you know, has, has a hard time articulating what you just said so easily. Um, so as a man who spends a lot of your life forming young minds and around young minds, how would you encourage us, um, those of us that have children that are wanting to pursue business, to, to kind of plant these thoughts in their heads and also just to engage in conversation with our, our um, children to be honorable in business?
2: It's a good question. It's something I uh, think about a lot, too. I have four children of my own. Um, and, you know, sometimes I think I have better luck talking to other people's children than my own children. <laughs> they, or they have a harder time hearing things from me than maybe they do from others. But, um, you know, one of the things I like to say, I often say to um, students I have is especially if I see a student who has a lot of ability but isn't really trying um, all that hard, you know, isn't giving 100% effort, one of the things that I like to say to them is in a one-on-one setting, you know, you look that student in the eye and say, do you think you're really, do you think you're really giving everything you have? You know, look in your heart. Are you giving 100% or are you giving 80% or 75 or 60 or 50 And if you're not giving 100%, then you need to ask yourself, why not? Are you in the wrong place? Should you be doing something else? Because if you can't make yourself give 100% to something, then that means you're just leaving some of the skills and abilities and talents that God gave you and the time that God gave you on the table for nothing. And that's an abuse of your talents, and it's a waste of the gift that God gave you. So you need to think about what really are your talents. What are you really good at? What are the things that you could do that would bring joy not only to your own life, but that could bring joy to other people's lives? And when you figure that out, and maybe it's in business, maybe it's it's going into marketing or finance or accounting, whatever it is, if it's in business, then you need to do it in such a way that you use every fiber of your being, every aspect of the gifts that God has given you, all of the opportunities he's given you, to create genuine value, not only for yourself, but for others. And if you're not doing that, then you need to change. Because you're saying, what you're effectively doing is saying to God, No thanks. I pre- yeah, yeah, that's nice that you gave me those gifts, but no thanks, I don't want them. You don't want to say that to God. God gave you these gifts, that places an obligation, a moral obligation, a responsibility on you to figure out how do I use my gifts so that I can create genuine value not just for me, but for others. And if that isn't the field of business or in the realm of business, then by all means, you need to think about how do I engage in business honorably with every moment I'm gifted with.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I think that would, that's, that's a life lesson, right? If you're going to be married, you need to work hard at your marriage. If you're going to be like, – this is good. So, and, and it's funny because my son is a pretty talented soccer player, and I don't understand soccer –
2: Um, I jokingly (laughs) tell
0: them, I grew up in America, so I didn't play soccer, but my wife, who was All-State in soccer, taught me a two-word prayer and said, this is the only thing you're allowed to scream because you're too annoying at the field, and it's work hard. And really, that's my prayer in life. Work hard. I just (laughs) believe hard work is important. So I want to shift to a a, a mutual friend we have, or someone I admire greatly, and that's Pope Francis, and you've done some work on the joy of the gospel. And I know for a lot of businessmen and lay people in the pews, they see these encyclicals come out and don't spend a lot of time thinking about them. But for you, Jim, you do that. How would a a business guy, what are some concepts from the joy of the gospel in particular that a businessman could take to work today Um, or maybe even this week and as he's putting or businesswoman?
2: Um, That's a great question. So, you know, Pope Francis, there are a lot of people who um, are a little uneasy about Pope Francis because he has some not very nice things to say about a market economy and occasionally about uh, business people. Um, But I think that's really more surface. Um, You know, Pope Francis at his heart, I think, is a pastor. Um, And one of the things that I think he thinks is a mistake people make in the business world and in market economies is to think that the that the real goal is just to have more for the sake of having more. So I would say it's, it's not that there's something wrong with creating value or wanting to have a better situation for yourself or your family. In fact, those, not only is that not wrong, that, that, those are very important things. If you're the head of a household or you're a member of a family, you want to improve the situation to the extent that you can, your, your circumstances, your conditions. Um, but what I think what Pope Francis wants, uh, is trying to emphasize is that the goal has to be how do I really glorify God in my relationships with other people and help bring both myself and the other people I come into contact with, the other people I love and my family, my friends, how do I bring all of us closer to God's will and closer to, the glorify, to, the, um, gl- to glorifying God? now if you 're in business, um, that means not that those two things are in, uh, are in conflict. On the contrary they 're not in conflict. What they are is this is now a venue for you to actually glorify God, to bring both yourself and your coworkers or your employees, your customers, your clients closer to the goodness that is God. Because they also are souls who've been created in the image of God. They also are striving, however imperfectly we're all fallen, but we're all striving to more closely approximate God's love for us, to bring ourselves closer to God. Um, In business, what I think that means is that in every interaction you have with another, you treat that person as a child of God. You imagine yourself... You ask yourself, if I were on the other side of this exchange or the other side of this negotiation or the other side of this conversation, would I be pleased with the way I'm treating the other person? And what that can do, and not coincidentally, that's a little bit like the golden rule, but what that can do is to remind you that we are all part of a. Um, in solidarity with one another, in trying to get closer to the love of God and to realize God's will in our lives. And that's something you can absolutely do in business, and I think that's really what Pope Francis is trying to get at with the joy of the gospel. I mean, one other thing, Joe, I mean, it's called the joy of the gospel. Christianity is not supposed to be dour and depressing, and we're not supposed to be thinking, oh, gosh, I have so many rules to follow. If that's what you think Christianity is, then you've missed it. You, 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 the, you missed the entire boat. This is a joyful experience. Life should be an expression and, uh, and really an engagement with joy because we've been given this gift, and it is a true gift. It's an eternal gift. Um, and when we work together, um, what the gospel gives us is joy that we should put in every aspect of our lives, including in our professional and business lives.
0: Well, I, I will tell you, uh, Jim. It has been a gl- it has glorified God that I've been able to talk to you. I mean, it has been a great conversation, and I, I will go away thinking about these things. And I can't wait to call my son after this and, and encourage him a little bit as well in some of these areas. I would say I want you to be um, maybe to be at peace, knowing that we are praying for you, Jim. We're praying for the work that you're doing, because I know all those that are on the pod that will download the podcast or that are on the call. Uh, we need to pray for the men and women who are forming our young minds and pray that they do it um, as Jim is and and enjoy, but also to glorify God and challenging young people to do that. We're going to pray for you and your family as well. I'm going to ask you, um, though, as a close to our conversation, if you don't mind praying for all those that are listening right now and leading us in prayer, and then Scott will come in at the back end and close the call. But it has been a pleasure to spend time with you i'm even going to cheer louder for notre dame now than i was before um, because of this conversation because i know there's a guy like you teaching there Um, and just know that uh, be assured of my personal prayers as well for you for your family for your ministry in the classroom i mean for the great work you're doing again i can't say enough to those listening google jim's name and watch that ted talk it'll change the way you think about and do work every single day so thank you again for your time Pray aside of here, Jim, and then Scott will come in on the back side and uh, close down the, our conversation.
2: Thank you so much, Joe. It's been a true pleasure. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, you invite all who are burdened to come to you. Allow your healing hand to heal us. Touch our souls with your compassion for others. Touch our heart with your courage and your infinite love for all. Touch our minds with your wisdom. And may our mouths always proclaim your praise. Teach us to reach out to you in all our needs and help us to lead others to you by our example. Most loving heart of Jesus, bring us health in body and spirit that we may serve you with all our strength. Touch gently this life which you have created now and forever. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen.
3: Yeah, Amen. Thank you, Doctor Addison. Uh, we're so gr- uh, so grateful to have you join us here in the Foxhole. It it really is great to hear from such a res- uh, refreshing perspective on business and how it can not only benefit you know, me but also the world around us. I think we all know that God calls us to sanctify everything that we do, but sometimes there's just enough of that doubt <laughs> that it's actually possible, you know, in the business world. So it's it's really great to hear your affirmation that it is possible. Um, for all of us listening, like Jim said, uh, we do have a limited amount of time here on this earth and limits on our talents and treasure as well, and our challenge this week is to think about these things. Like he said, he asked his students one-on-one, you know, are we leaving something on the table that God has given us to use as good stewards? Are we praying for our coworkers? Do we offer God thanksgiving for our ability to work? Do we pray and ask for prudence? To help us work to build up the kingdom so whether it's at work or even another aspect of our lives take some time this week uh, to examine how we're putting our time talent and treasure to use for God's glory and the good of the people around us and I think that will open up the door for his grace to, to really work through us and um, we'll be amazed at, at how God wants to enter every aspect of our life and make it holy Our next guest in the foxhole is one that many of you might be familiar with. Sam Guzman is the founder of The Catholic Gentleman, a blog that encourages men to be both real men and real saints at the same time. He also smokes a pipe, all three of which would put him in good standing with Father Capon, I think. So uh, give The Catholic Gentleman uh, a look on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. He has great posts that combine you know saint quotes with really cool old-school aesthetics. And uh, if you want to be a holy man, make sure you join us next week to hear him. So thanks again, Dr. Odison. Thanks for all of you for joining us here on the front lines of faith in the foxhole. Until next time, stay humble, stay courageous, and may Father Capon lead us to holiness. Thanks for joining us in the foxhole. As we go, we're blessed to leave you with these words from Father Capon himself. We can surely expect that in our own lives there will come a time when we must make a choice between being loyal to the true faith or of giving allegiance to something else which is either opposed to or not in alliance with our faith. O God, we ask of thee to give us the courage to be ever faithful to thee. Blessed are they who suffer persecution for justice sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. May the blessing of God the Father the son and the holy spirit descend upon all of you amen